Well, it's always considered a privilege to come here and share. I was a pastor for 11 years before I got involved with CEF about 14 years ago. Um, so I love studying God's Word. I love being able to share it whenever I have that opportunity. So I have that opportunity today. So turn to your neighbor and say, I hope this is good because he's at least said it's going to be good. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All, right. All right. So I want to start off and get your attention a little bit. I, I achieved a milestone, so to speak, this year. Um, I turned 60 years old this year. So, so. And it's okay to turn to your neighbor and say, that's old. Go ahead. It's okay. You can say that. It's old. Okay. Now, as I got thinking about that, as I got thinking about that, I remembered way back when I was 20 years old. Anybody here 20 years old? Probably a lot of you are in that range, right? Okay. All right. I remember when I turned 20 years old and I remembered I was like 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Nothing's going to hurt me. I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm, you know, fit, all kinds of stuff. Athlete, did all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I turned 30, and I'm like, yeah, I'm at the prime of my life now. <laughs> and then I turned 40, and it was like, okay, I'm not quite in the prime of my life, but I have a lot of wisdom to go with it, so it's good. <laughs> and then I turned 50, and I was like, 50 is like, oh, yeah, 50, that's the right age. That's, that's the age to be. And then I turned 60, and I went, oh, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what happened to life here, okay? And, and the thing is, is that being 60, I'm not as old as some people are, but I'm a lot older than most people are in, in here. And, and it's like, the idea is, is I started to think about, I don't have as much life left as I've lived. And then I even thought about it, my parents, both my parents, and I'm not a morbid person, by the way, I'm very positive in the way I look at life, but both my parents passed away at 71. So if that happened to be the same case with me, how much time do I have left? That's not much, is it? And part of it is that God used this to help kind of ramp up my own heart for serving him more. I only have so much time left. And part of what I've done is I've examined my life and wondering, Man, what would it have been like if I'd done some things differently when I was 20 years old, 18 years old? What if I'd done some things differently when I was younger? And I look at all that God, I, I surrendered and I just literally gave my life to him at 29 and said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do. And I've pretty much been faithful to that since I was 29. And it's amazing the journey God's taken me on. But I've always wondered what would happen if I'd done it when I was 18 or 19. And then as I begin to look at my life now, one of the things that God has kind of really convicted my heart about is that because I've got 31 years of experience in ministry and studying God's word as a pastor and just a variety of things that God's taken me on, I started getting the feeling that God wanted me to begin to share that. And I love teenagers, by the way, and I love college students. This is the age group I love working with. God said, you know, to my heart that you need to start sharing that with these young people and pass on what God's taught you. Okay, I can do that. I kind of like that idea. I've been doing that anyway, but this was like it became more of an intense aspect of my heart. So then, um, <laughs> as I've studied scripture, because God was having me focus that way, I've become very, very close uh, in my studies with 2 Timothy because I look at Paul and what he was trying to pour into the life of Timothy. And so I have put together several months now of just, just diving into this book of 2 Timothy. And I'm going to share some things with you this morning. Probably ought to catch up with you here. There's a 20, 30, 40, 60. All right. But 
I want to start off and share with you, and there's a ton in 2 Timothy that I could share with you this morning. And Danny, I could like take hours to do this. How much time do I have, by the way? What time do you want me to be done? What's that? 11.50. All right. So, but I wanted to focus in on one particular verse this morning as I thought about sharing with you guys. And it's found um, in 2 Timothy 2.19. And it says, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those that are his... And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now, as I read that verse, I love that first part, the Lord knows that those are his. How many of you think that's a cool thing, that God knows who you are and that he knows that you're his? I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? You can kind of go get excited about that, all right? But then the next part of it says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And so it was interesting because I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and he asked me a question. Have you departed from Iniquity. Well, my first thought was, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, so I started thinking about, okay, what does depart mean? Well, it kind of means to just separate yourself from, walk away from, disengage from iniquity. So, okay, I think I've done that. And I begin, my immediate thought was, is what is iniquity? And my first thought was this. <laughs> And that it was simply sin. Things like lying, stealing, you're not honoring my parents, sex outside of marriage, drugs, whatever it is, bullying, whatever it is, that just kind of moral issues. That's what I was thinking iniquity was. And then the Lord began to speak a little deeper and asked me again, have you departed from iniquity? <laughs> now, whenever the Lord asks you questions like that, you should hold on to your hat, right? You're, you either... <laughs> Because the bottom line is, do you want to know? Are you sure you want to know when God asks you questions like that? Okay? Because more than likely, he's going to lead you on a journey that will expand something that you do not understand completely. And so I want to share with you some of the things that God has put in my heart about what iniquity is beyond just thinking about the moral aspect of sin. Does that make sense? All right? So the first thing I did was look up the Greek word for iniquity. And literally, it means injustice. Then I did a real spiritual thing. I Googled it just to see what it was going to do, you know, <laughs> see what that came up with. And the word for, iniqu or for the, um, um, iniquity, the definition for it on Google is to be grossly unfair. Well, that started to expand, okay, my idea of what sin was. Because isn't, isn't it fact that as holy as God is, when we lie, isn't that a great injustice toward God? <laughs> and isn't it grossly unfair on our part to do something that's morally wrong when we see how perfect and how holy God is? But that began to really make me ask some questions. And a verse came to my mind that I've been studying as I was looking through 2 Timothy. Okay, And that was verse 5 of chapter 2, and it said this. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And I was tying this into the whole idea of being morally correct and doing the things that not lying and cheating and stealing and all those things, okay? But once again, I started looking at this from a little bit different perspective. I had another thought with this, okay? According to the rules. Well, when an athlete competes, aren't there rules that go along with that that are not tied into morals? <laughs> In other words, if you're going to play volleyball the ball has to go over the net, right? It can't go off to the side and backwards. and It has to go over the net. I mean, so that's a simple, simple explanation. So I begin to look at this. Are there some things in our lives that as a 
person that names the name of Jesus, are there some rules, so to speak, that apply to us as Christians that go beyond the moral aspect? And I came up with this. <laughs> Iniquity, from God's perspective, can be seen as you and I not living the godly life that we should be living. We can live aspects of being moral people, right? But as a believer in Jesus Christ, has he not called us to be the light of the world, to glow in this darkness, <laughs> to be that light on a hill? And has he not called us to live in such a way that we exude the attributes of who God is? So one of the things that God began to convict my heart about was that if I'm not living the righteous life, in fact, what Romans 1.16 talks about of, of, yeah, it's the power of God unto salvation, but it also is a power for you and I as individuals to live out the righteous life that God wants us to live as, as believers in Jesus Christ. And I started to begin to realize that one of the things God wanted me to understand, if I'm not living the godly life, the righteous life that he wants me to live, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus, then that's iniquity. Because it's grossly unfair and it's an injustice to God to say that you're a Christian and you don't live that way. Beyond the moral part of it. Was that a little convicting? Was that a little challenging? God wasn't done with me yet. Because the next thing I started looking at, I went back to that same verse and I had another thought. <laughs> I looked at the athlete part of it. Okay, Now, most athletes that become world-renowned athletes, do they have a whole lot of categories that they compete in or do they focus in usually on one aspect of where they're gifted? They pretty much focus in where they're gifted, don't they? Okay, And so I began to look at this is that we're unique individuals in Christ, are we not? And I began to look at what God's word says in 2 Timothy in verse one, or chapter 1, verse 9. He says, God saved us and he called us to a holy calling. So once again, if you name the name of Jesus as your savior, he's saved you. He's the one that did that. He saved you. And now he's called you. But notice it doesn't say that he's just called you. He's called you with what? A holy calling. A sanctified calling. A set apart calling. A life that's to be set apart for him then it says, because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus before the ages began. One of the things that I want you to understand that as a believer in Jesus Christ, not only are we to live a life that is godly, but we're to live a life according to the purpose that he's called each one of us to do. And so it's a kind of an interesting thing because there's a, big, there's a big banner that every one of us fit under, underneath. If you name the name of Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, every one of us are to fulfill Matthew 28, 19 and 20 that says, as you live out the life God has for you, that you would make disciples and that you would train and equip them, basically. My shortened version of that verse, okay? But the idea is we, every one of us, if you name the name of Jesus... Your purpose in life, according to God, is that you would make disciples and that you would be used to train and equip them. That's what our life is really all about. However, what you see here is that each one of us, though, as you begin to look at Scripture, we have a unique part of that big banner. He's equipped and gifted you to do a certain aspect of making disciples and training and equipping people. 
So you've got to identify what that is, okay? And I love it. It's not that you've just been giving this, but you've also, I love what it says here, what Paul says in chapter 1 in these verses. Look at this. Paul says, he's talking to Timothy, he says, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. He had no doubt what he was supposed to be doing. He says, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard into that day, which has been entrusted to me. And I love that phrase. Do you realize that when God created you as a believer in Jesus Christ, and he's given you a unique aspect to each of your lives, <laughs> that he's also entrusted that with you? In other words, he's basically saying, here's what I want you to do as part of building the kingdom. I'm entrusting you with that responsibility. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? And then Paul goes on and says, Timothy, follow the pattern of sound words. So once again, he's telling Timothy not only to be morally right, but he's also saying what? Live the life, a godly life. Follow the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit, what? Entrusted you. So Paul's basically saying, I've been entrusted with ministry. Timothy, you've been entrusted with ministry. So let's do what God has called us to do uniquely as part of our role of making disciples and training and equipping them. So when you look at each of your lives, do you look at how he's created you as uniquely? And have you put effort into finding exactly out how that is? Because when I come down to it again, God expanded that definition of what iniquity is to me. See, it's one thing to be morally okay, it's another thing to start being, living the godly life. But if you're not fulfilling the exact role that he has for you and living out the life of how he's gifted you and how he wants you to fill, fulfill his purpose, would that be grossly unfair? Would that be an injustice to God? I think it would be, wouldn't it? So now, this... <laughs> how many of you think that I was getting tired of studying this? <laughs> This is, getting, this is getting intense. It was getting serious with me. I mean, like, okay, you know, here I thought I was doing okay. And, again, you know, like, okay, I'm living morally right. And I'm, okay, I'm trying to live a godly life and do the things and let my life shine forth who he is and, and have Christ be coming from me. And now he's saying, you know what? If you're done using everything that I've given you, that's not fair either. That's an injustice compared to it. I mean, how many of you think that it's going to be a fun thing to stand before God and say, you know, I equipped you to do this and you never used it. You think that's going to be fun? Do you think that's going to be a, a tremendous feeling of injustice that we feel like from our part that we didn't do what he asked us to do? So I want you to think about that. And then I had another thought. The thoughts kept coming. I don't know why they did. They kept coming, okay? I looked at athlete again. Any athlete that does really well at its profession, at his or her profession, how much focus and effort do they put into it? It's tremendous, isn't it? I mean, we get to see kind of the end results when you watch a basketball game or a football game or you watch the Olympics and you see the sprinters and the swimmers and the skiers and all those different things. We see the end result of that. But if you were to go and look at their life, and they sometimes run these little um, episodes to show you kind of the history behind how much they do work and how much effort they put into it. 
So God was starting to show me that, hey, maybe the focus and effort that I put into my life is something I need to look at. So I started looking at a couple of the verses right around 2 Timothy 2 there. 3 and 4, it says, Now share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. You know, as you can see, there's a lot I could keep going on and on about all these verses, but in simplicity, what is this verse saying? <laughs> if a soldier loses his focus for his purpose, he's not going to be able to please the one who enlisted him. I could go into a lot more with this, but I just want to keep it that simple. <laughs> when you look at your life, how much do you think our enemy tries to influence us to lose focus on the purpose of making disciples and training and equipping them? And how good is he at it? College students, how much do your finances come into play in your life here as a college student? And how much do you let that take your focus away from serving the Lord? How many of you will put taking care of your finances before you will take care of serving the Lord? How many of you won't get involved with some ministries because you have to take time to make sure that you study and do those things? Now, Danny, am I saying that they shouldn't do those things? <laughs> Absolutely not. But what I'm saying is that who should you put first in asking what you should be doing? Where should your focus be? I see it time and time and time again in my lifetime where young people, college students, many of you want to, let me just take a quick survey. How many of you would love to be used by God to great things in your life? Anybody want that to happen? Usually we get a, a big majority of people raising their hand, Okay. So if I were to look at your life, how would I be able to know that you really are putting the focus and effort on that? And would I be able to see distractions that would take you away from fulfilling what God has for you to do? And then I also looked at this verse, in verse 6. It says, it is the hardworking farmer. I love this. It's a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Anybody here come from a ranch or a farm? How many of you would verify that it's really a lot of hard work on a farm and ranch? In fact, if you don't put the work and effort into it, how well does the ranch or farm do? It doesn't do very good, does it all? And how, how much time are you on call when you're a rancher or a farmer? At any time of the day or night, right? And there are times of the year where it is day and night. So when you, when you think about it from that perspective... I'm going to tell you something that may shock you. Being a Christian is extremely hard work. To do the things that God wants you to do is extremely hard work. Not in your flesh, but in following through the things that God wants you to do. Many times Christians hear so much about, well, God's grace takes care of everything. Yes, it does. <laughs> but it doesn't take care of the effort that you need to put into things. It doesn't take care of the focus that you need to put on things to follow through with. We have a role. We have a responsibility with it. How many of you think it's a great privilege to be called a child of God? How many of you think it's a great privilege to be able to share the gospel? How many of you think it's a great privilege to know that the one that spoke the universe into existence is asking you to do something for him? Anybody think that's a great privilege? But with great privilege comes great what? Responsibility. And so does your focus and your effort show that you take serious responsibility for what God has asked you to do. So once again, I think 
that if you don't put enough focus and effort into where God wants you to do and lead that life that he wants you to live, that that's grossly unfair and that's an injustice to God. How many think my heart got convicted as I was <laughs> going through this study? And at this point, I was like, you know, God, I thought I'd given you a lot, but man, I need to give more. I need to give more. And, you know, so when I put it all together, it was kind of an interesting thought process. Have I departed from iniquity? Have I walked away? Have I separated myself from? Have I made sure that that's not part of my life? Have I departed from iniquity by saying no to sin, the moral aspect of it? Have I departed from iniquity by living with godly attributes? Have I set apart or departed from iniquity living the unique life that God has for me? And have I departed by, from iniquity by putting the focus and effort into it that's worthy of God? For those of you that know me, I do like to challenge people with their walk and my own walk. But I don't like to just leave it there and make this room feel like it's really quiet in here right now, Danny. It's like <laughs> my guess is that people are going, hmm. Just like when I turn 60, you're probably going, hmm. <laughs> okay. But I want to ask the question, though. Is it worth it to depart from iniquity? This is kind of my final thought. Is it worth it to really work at departing from iniquity? And my answer is this. It's that verse that we just talked about. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to share in what? The first crops or the first fruits. Okay? Now what does that mean? Well, in simplicity, once again, I want to keep it high level here because I don't have a lot of time. But the thing is I want you to think about this. When you go to a rancher, do they usually get to enjoy steaks? How many of us think it's a great privilege to go out and get a steak? But yet a rancher, that's kind of a, that's like potatoes, right? <laughs> but they get to enjoy some first fruits of their hard work. Do you know as a Christian that God wants you to partake of his divine nature? And Second Peter tells us that these great and precious promises are given so that we can be partakers of his divine nature. So when you put the effort into it to depart from iniquity, to say no to sin, to live the life that shows godly attributes, to be that unique individual that God wants you to be, and to put the focus and effort into it, he's telling you that you will get to experience or partake of his divine nature. That word partake, by the way, is koinonia, which is fellowship. How many think it's kind of a cool thing to be able to fellowship with the divine nature of God? And because he lives within you, and I don't totally understand this, but man, we get to experience and we get to actually have some of that divine nature in us. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? So is it worth it? to take the effort to depart from these aspects of iniquity so that your life isn't an injustice aspect when it looks to God or your life isn't grossly unfair compared to what God would have you do? Oh, it's absolutely worth it. 
That's why my heart gets excited about sharing this with you because it's like if you do this, if you let God speak to you and work through this, it will be absolutely amazing what you experience as you partake of the divine nature of God. Because you'll get to experience aspects now that we will fully enjoy in heaven. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? So my question is, as you've heard this today, will you ask God what parts of iniquity that you heard about today that you need to depart from? Will you do that? It's a pretty good challenge, isn't it? Oh, wait a minute. I have one more thought. I have one more thought. I am the state director for Child Evangelism Fellowship, so I can't kind of leave without saying something about that, right? Okay. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about our internship. One of the things that I get excited about the internship is this. Let me say it this way. Chris went to Montana Bible College here for a few years, okay, graduated. He just recently had to go down to Warrenton, Missouri to international headquarters for CEF. Um, every one of our staff within the first two years of employment have to go through 12 weeks of training down there. And while he was down there, it was interesting. Chris discovered something new about how God had gifted him and was calling him in service to him. That was after going to several years of Bible college. He learned something new about how God equipped him. But you know how he discovered that? It's because he got involved with something, and then as the young man that was leading worship up here talks about, you, you do something, and then you see where you're, you're working hard in it, and you're doing that, and God will start to show you things. I discovered things when I was 45 years old that I didn't know I was gifted in, that God has used now in my life now for what I'm doing now. But my point is this is that if you don't go out and taste and see the things that God has for you, then you'll have a hard time discovering how God has uniquely gifted you. We had a young lady last summer that came and interned with us um, from Wilderness um, School of the Bible, Montana Wilderness School of the Bible, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit of the um, experience that she had last summer and what she gained. We might let her tell you. She speaks quietly. You have to listen very carefully. Okay. Um, I'll just go ahead and tell you what she's basically saying in this. Okay. What she wants you to know is that obviously we will give you a lot of experience working with children. We are Child Evangelism Fellowship, by the way. Okay. So you will get a lot of experience working with children. However, anybody here think that they might be interested in working with teenagers in the future? Yeah. If you travel with a team of teenagers all summer, do you think you'll get to know teenagers a little bit? (laughs) 
Do you think spending two weeks with them night and day at training would help you get to know teenagers and discover whether what you learn like about teens and stuff like that? So we give you a tremendous amount of experience working with teens all summer. Anybody here think they might be going into pastoral ministry? Every church we work with throughout the summer as a leader of our teams, you would actually be working with pastors seeing how they are using our ministry to set up to reach out to their community. But you think, think after going to seven different churches throughout the summer, you might learn a little bit more about how a pastor thinks, some different experiences with that, okay? How many of you think that maybe someday you might just be involved with ministry at your church and helping maybe organize a ministry or, or, or working through a ministry at church, okay? You'll get to experience all of those things. How many of you think you might work with volunteers in the future? How many of you think that maybe organization is something that you would help out a church with or just in life in general? This is our, our internship. If I can say it in this way, is like it, it's not just about children. It gives you a variety of things, okay? And that's what I love about what we do. Now, also you've heard my heart, and Chris is very similar to this, is that we will pour into your lives, and I'm under more of a command now from God and ever to actually pour my experience and my wisdom. I say wisdom only because i got white hair. The Bible says if you got white hair, then you have wisdom. So I'm just going with that I have some wisdom, okay? Um, I had a teenager tell me, or we were having dinner one day with a family, and the dad looks over at his daughter and goes, you see some of this white hair? He had like a few specks of white hair in his hair, and he goes, see this? That's wisdom. <laughs> so I turned to the young lady and I said, what does this mean? <laughs> she goes, genius. <laughs> okay. So, but I want you to know that we're, we're going to pour into your lives, Okay. And then the second video, I don't know if it's going to play or not, we won't get in there, but the second video, she would challenge you to at least ask God. That's all I'm asking you to do is to ask God. If he directs you to be part of this, then awesome, we'll, we'll pour into your lives. But I would like you to be courageous enough to at least say, God, do you want me to do this? My experience as a Christian over the long 60 years is that most Christians are afraid to ask God what he wants them to do because he might tell them what he wants you to do. So would you ask? Would you at least ask? And Chris and I'll be here at lunch. We'll have, we'll be here. We've got some flyers that give you an overview of everything. Um, we also have applications if anybody's interested that wants to take an application. But I want to come back to this. Yes, I love God's word. And I love what it's done as I've studied just this topic of iniquity. God has expanded to my heart and my, my head just how serious I need to take my walk with the Lord. And I absolutely wish I'd done it when I was 14, 15, 16, 18, 19, instead of waiting to 29. That's one of the reasons I'm passionate about, I think, working with young people, is I can't imagine what God would have done with my life with another 10, 15 years of dedicated service to him. So you take that challenge today, will you at least ask God about being an intern with us? Will you simply ask God, are there things that you need to depart from that are iniquity based on what I shared with you this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for all that you do. And Father, I'm so thankful for your word, for the depth of it, the study of it, the, the clear leading of it. And how your goal is for us to be able to partake of your divine nature and just truly enjoy who you are. And yet, Father, there is a, a part about it that because it is a great privilege to be able to do that, there comes great responsibility with that. Help each one of us that name the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.